afternoon. It's good to see everybody. Especially good to see visitors and folks that I know and love and come from other places. We appreciate your presence here. Appreciate the presence of everyone. And uh, again, as Greg has earlier, encourage everybody to take your Bibles and turn to the passages that we're studying and examine things, all the things that we've looked at this weekend and, and even in our lesson tonight, uh, that we might find it to be the truth that is, let's strive to obey it. Our lessons are about what we can do. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's what he said of himself, and it's true of us. There's not one thing that God has asked you to do, that, that he desires you to do, expects you to do, that you can't do. You'll never do it on your own, but you can do it through his strength. And we must do it. And that includes what we're looking at this evening, is taking the gospel to people to save them. That's the responsibility we have. I want to begin tonight by reading something to you about a fellow that I read about. His name's Brent Kaufman. And he was a recipient of the Carnegie Medal. I don't know if you're familiar with the Carnegie Medal. It's a bronze medal that's given to people who risk their lives to an extraordinary degree while trying to save or attempting to save someone else. It's given to outstanding citizens of the United States and, and even in Canada. And I'll read you this. So one night, Jeffrey Miller, he was 28-year-old deputy sheriff, was traveling in his patrol car en route to a call when his vehicle collided head-on with another. Miller was severely injured but remained conscious in the car, and flames broke out in the engine compartment. He attempted to get the driver's door open, but he couldn't. And Brent Kaufman, 25-year-old bartender, was approaching the scene in his vehicle, saw the burning patrol car, he stopped, ran over and tried to open the door, and he couldn't get it open. Miller extended his arms out through the door, the broken window, and flames at this time were coming through the firewall, they were coming inside. Uh, he still couldn't pull him out. Kaufman extended his body then in through the window and grasped Miller by his arms and shoulders, and despite Miller and his equipment outweighing Kaufman by about 90 pounds, Kaufman finally pulled and pulled and snatched him head first through the window and dragged him to safety, which in a short while it says the car was engulfed by flames and consumed the car and all the ammunition inside. And for doing that, he received the Carnegie Medal. Now, I want you to take your New Testament. I want you to turn over to Jude. I want you to read something with me. Jude, verse, let's just read beginning in verse 21. Jude's giving instruction. He says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting, saving some, snatching them from the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Jude urges us here to strive to save people. And he describes that as snatching them from the fire. Now, do you believe that all the people in this world who are without Jesus Christ, 
who have yet come in obedience to the gospel, to have their sins washed away by his blood, do you believe that they're in danger of eternal damnation? Do you believe that? Do you ever think about that? That the people that you work with, the people, maybe some who are your relatives and your family, those who you go to school with, neighbors down the street who have never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe because they never heard it, are going to be lost in a devil's hell. I don't care if you believe that you do something about it. If you believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it has the power to save, you'll do something with it. In fact, I believe if you believe it, you have to. You'd be compelled to. I mean, are you compelled by the urgency of saving people? And the compassion of sharing what God has done for you through His blood, the blood of His Son. Do you realize, knowing the coming judgment, the people are going to get, be lost? Do you realize the horrors of hell? Is Jesus Himself, the Son of God, said, it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of utter darkness, a place where the worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. And people that we know, sometimes even our loved ones, are headed there because they hadn't heard the gospel. Do you realize all outside of Christ are lost? Do you remember what it was, the position that you were in before someone who loved you enough and was concerned about you enough and was urgent enough to teach you the gospel? Are you thankful for that? It's easier to forget it, isn't it? It's easier to take it for granted. You know, James had much the same to say when there in James 5 and verse 20 says, you know, when we strive to save somebody, it's like saving his soul from death, covering a multitude of sins. Saving a soul from eternal death. I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel about sharing the gospel? I say you ask most Christians, they say, oh, I'm all for you know, sharing the gospel. But you ask yourself, how many people have you helped lead to Christ? How many at least have you tried to help lead to Christ? I find it interesting to talk to people, and sometimes I just ask them, how many people have you helped lead to Christ? And a lot of people have been Christians for years, and they've never led anybody else to Christ. Some people, I find a lot of Christians who are lacking in joy. I mean, true joy. And I'm saying, if you are not leading people to Christ, you are robbing yourself of the greatest joy that you can experience as a Christian. John said, I have no greater joy. Now, how do you say To see my children walking in the faith. He's talking about people who he led unto Christ. If you are not busy in teaching people the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing them being led by the power of the gospel and using yourself as an instrument of God's power, you're robbing yourself of the greatest joy. The only thing that can surpass that is when you see someone that you've taught the gospel teach somebody else the gospel. Now there's joy. But how do you feel about it? How many people are you sharing the gospel with? When was the last time you experienced the joy of helping someone be led unto the Lord for salvation. How many people, ask yourself, do I now have 
All these lessons about me, right? about me, you, you know, it's, it's individual. This is your responsibility. Don't think about preachers, elders, or this fellow over here. Think about yourself. Who do you now have in your heart that you want to try to win to Christ? Somebody come to you, man? To what extent have I tried to win those people? It's one thing to think, oh, you know, I'd love to see so-and-so obey God. But how much effort you put in there? How much time have I spent the past two months? Just think about it. Now, we get busy during the holidays. You can just ask yourself, past six months. How many people in the past six months have you tried to share the gospel with? Try to get them to become a Christian? How often do you pray about it? Anything that we need to do according to God's will... If I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I need His strength, and therefore I need to pray for it. I need to pray for His help. It's not about me and my gospel. It's Christ's gospel, and it's His power. So I need to pray about it and pray for those who would hear the gospel to have an open mind and an open heart, a good and honest heart. Do I pray fervently that I might become a better soul winner? You have prayed that? You know, one of the greatest responsibilities, and I hope we see that in this kind of bottom lesson, bottom line of our lesson, is we've got the responsibility to do this. Some people think they can't. All these lessons are about we can't. You can do anything that God asks you to do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and you need to fervently be praying about doing what you need to do. When's the last time you prayed about being a better soul? Do you sincerely try to help that prayer be answered? One thing to pray about it. One thing to say, use me, you know, Lord. I mean, not be willing to be used. Am I generally embarrassed to converse with people about Christ? You know, some people just seem like they're embarrassed to talk about Jesus. Talk about the Lord and talk to people about their soul salvation. Are we embarrassed of what God has done for us? So much that we can't share it with other people. Do I truly appreciate the value of a soul and the terror as we talk about if they are lost? Do I honestly feel that I am personally responsible for sharing the gospel with others? Do you feel that? Do you know that you can do all things that God expects you to do as a disciple, including personally sharing the gospel with other people? Who has the responsibility? Well, sometimes people try to put it off on the preacher. Preacher's got the responsibility. You know, all these lessons, I tell folks at home, well, I said, when I'm preaching, sometimes, you know, places where we've had elders, I, sometimes the elders come and say, you know, want you to preach on this specific thing, you know. Or, but most of the time when I get my lessons up, I preach on what I need. I figure I'm pretty common. Somebody's going to need some of it too. We all need it, don't we? And the preacher's got responsibility to go preach the gospel, but I want to tell you, when it comes to the responsibility of taking the gospel to people, who's got the responsibility? You do. You as an individual. Now, me as an individual, too. But I don't care if you're an elder, preacher, whatever it is that you do in the function of the body of, of Christ, we're all important, everybody's got an important job, and that's one more, is more important than the other. All members, one of another, to have different functions, he said there in Romans chapter 12. But one function, one responsibility that we all have is, is going and preaching the gospel. 
you can save people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you must if you're going to be a disciple. Reason you can, you can do anything that God expects of you. Anything, as we said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 13. He said in Ephesians 3, and verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. We get the thing that we can't do anything. God says you can do anything I want you to do. In fact, you can do a whole lot more than what you think you can do. That's usually what it is about anything. You think you can't do something, then you get started, and then we get a whole lot more than you thought you could. That's the way it is with saving people, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, once you ever get started, you'll get hooked on it. When you realize the joy of leading somebody to Jesus Christ, you'll want to do more of it. And if you're not doing it, you're robbing yourself of the grace of joy, as we talked about. And you can do far more abundantly, because it's not just about you. It's not about None of this is what we're able to do and that we can do is by our own doing. If it's just up to us, we can't do anything. We're weak, we're frail. God's all-powerful. If we'll let his power work within us and allow ourselves to be worked, to be used, we do anything God expects us to do. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4 and 5, Paul knew where his confidence was. He said, such confidence we have through Christ. Was Paul a personal worker? You bet he was. They said, they've turned this world upside down. Well, that's a compliment, wasn't it? Whether it was all just Paul was just a fireball, I don't know. I don't know exactly what his personality was, but I know what he did with the gospel was because of the power of God. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we're adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves. He said, our adequacy is from God. And if you learn that, that the adequacy is not in you, it's in God. And if you allow God to use you, you can do anything that he wants done. And I tell you what he wants done, what God desires is he wants souls to be saved. Now, there's a lot of things he wants us to do and come together, to do together. That's what the church is, isn't it? It's people who come together to do together what God says to do together. That's what the church is. And what we do collectively, there's some things he wants us to do here, but when we separate from our assembly... There's a lot of things he wants us to do too. One thing is he wants souls to be saved. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy chapter two and verse four. God wants people to be saved. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. He sent his own son to die so that people could be saved. God wants people to be saved, right? He put him on a cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He allowed him to die on the cross and become sin, pay the penalty for people. That's how bad he wants people to be saved. That's God's desire for people to be saved and his desire for the means for them to be saved is for you to be a soul. You. Now, he could have done it in a lot of different ways. He could have done it through a small, still voice, done it through the preaching of an angel. He could have done a lot of different things, saved people, just made them, you know, all of a sudden have this feeling and it come over them like a blaze of fire from heaven and 
you know, just save them right there on the spot. That's not the way he determined to do it. He determined to do it through the preaching of the gospel. Through the preaching of the gospel through people like me and like you. That's God's plan. That's his desire. And that's the only way. Anybody's ever saved is through the preaching and teaching of the gospel through men. Has been ever since he gave the Great Commission. He said to them, go in all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. How is this going to be done? He said, I want you to go. How do we go about fulfilling the Great Commission? Why is it we say we believe in the Great Commission, we believe in fulfilling the Great Commission, we believe in and teaching others and taking the gospel to other people, and yet people right around us, right around the places where we live and where we work, not hearing the gospel. Why is that? I think something's wrong, maybe, with the way we go about fulfilling the Great Commission. But Lord said, go and we say, come. Now, who's right? I think, really, I think sometimes we fulfill the... Uh, at least the idea of some is to fulfill the Great Commission is, is I tell you what we'll do. We'll get us and we'll uh, find us a plot of land and we'll build us a building and we'll meet there on, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday and we'll worship on Sunday. We'll have Bible study. We'll have Bible classes and we'll, we'll do those things. And may, we may have some evangelist come in two or three times a year and have him preach gospel sermons and we'll advertise him. We'll put him on the radio. We'll put him on the sign. We'll put it in the bulletin. We'll send out invitations to everybody and we'll have a gospel meeting, and we'll have those uh, assemblies, and if people don't come, it's their fault, not ours. We preach the gospel to all creation. Now, do you think that's what the Lord had in mind when he said go? I don't think so. Lord said go teach. We say go invite. We tell them to come. Lord said go. I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not saying that these assemblies that we have, the things that we do in our assemblies are wrong. They are not only scriptural, but they are needed. And there are certain things that you can't do to please God unless you come together and do together what he said do together. There's just certain things that the church come together to do together what God said do together. And we got five acts of worship that we're to do. Do that when we come together on the first day of the week. We're to do that. And that's good, and we should. But that's not all the responsibility that we have before God. God wants us to come together and do together what he said do together, but he also wants us to go and do what he said once we leave. And that ought to be the climax of what we do together. The climax of our assembling and our teaching and our gospel meetings ought to be to take the gospel to those who are lost. And we can try to convince ourselves that we can come together and do together what God says do together and we leave it right there and done everything that God said to do as far as the Great Commission and, and I think we're deceiving ourselves. He said go. Go and teach. There's some who will never come unless we first go. There's some people who have never come to our assembly unless we first go teach. Now there's some, I'm not saying it's wrong to invite. We need to invite. I'm for using anything that we can. Any medium, radio, internet, whatever you can do, try to get people interested and invite them to come. 
Fairness to air, go knock on door, take, send it in the mail, do anything you can. But you still gotta go, or you don't obey this. You can invite, but till you go teach, you've not done what he says. I'll tell you, most of the people won't come. Few will. But most people won't come unless we first go, and the Lord knew that, and that's why he said go. Snatch them from the fire, he said. That takes effort. It took something. I want to tell you, if a 25-year-old bartender can arise to the occasion of go and pull somebody out of a burning car, surely a Christian, knowing the eternal damnation that's coming in judgment, could have enough to go snatch somebody from the fires of hell with the gospel of Jesus. You know, I think anybody here saw somebody burn up the car, they'd go try to go get them out, just like he did. I, I don't want to think I would, and I'd stop and I'd try. But I want to tell you, there's people in a whole lot more danger spiritually. than this fellow, Jeffrey Miller, was in that car. We're talking about eternal fire. Paul realized his responsibility. That's why he was such a fireball. He he did what he did to serve God, and he wanted to share what God had done for him with others. And he realized his adequacy wasn't with himself, but it, it came from God. And, and therefore, he could do anything that he needed to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and he's going to do it. In fact, he said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 22, he said, I become all things to all men, that by all means I might save somebody. And you think about that. Is that the attitude we got? Say, oh, well, but I'm, I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. Everybody's, got, everybody's busy. Tell me, anybody not busy? We're all busy. And I don't tell you, there's 24 hours of my day just like there are you. And just like there was for Paul. He didn't have a longer day. It's just what you want to do with it, isn't it? Take time. Maybe turn off TV. Maybe take time to not do this or that. But take time to, to talk to somebody about the gospel of Christ. He said, I've become all things by all means that I might save somebody. I want you to know this. Paul knew he wasn't going to save everybody. And God doesn't expect you to save everybody. And it's not the power. Problem's not that the gospel doesn't have the power to save everybody. It's got the power to save anybody. But the sad truth is, there's just some people not interested enough in the things of God and they don't want to turn from sin. And some people are just not going to be interested. But some will be interested. He didn't say, go into all the world and save everybody. No, he said, go into all the world and teach everybody. I don't have the responsibility to, to save everybody, but I've got the responsibility to try to save somebody. You know, I can't, I don't mean I'd save them all. But God's power has got the ability to save somebody. But a lot of times people are not being saved just because I'm not willing to go, like he said, go. You can be a soul winner by the power of God because the power is in the gospel. Well, it's up to me when nobody be saved. There ain't no power in the preacher. There's power in the gospel. Paul said he wasn't ashamed of it. He knew where the power was. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto everyone for salvation. If anybody's going to be saved, it's going to be through the gospel. And there's the power. 
He said, you just need to take that powerful thing and go take it to people. Teach them. It's a word which, is impl- when it's implanted, is able to save the soul. He said, I just want you to go do some implant. Just go do some teaching. I'll take care of the power part. God's For you've been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. There is where the power is. It's in the... It's in the Word. Power and seed in it. It's amazing. I love the garden. I just like to watch it grow. My most favorite time in garden time is when the beans come up. I love to watch beans come up. Even when it gets rain and packed down on the ground, that bean will come up through there. It's amazing what a seed can do. He said, you just implant it. I'll make it grow. He said, remember how you've been born again. You were born again of a seed which is imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. That's what God's telling you to take and go teach people. He said, Paul said, we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> I used to hear that in a young man. I, I thought about preaching when I was young. Always wanted to. Still want to. <laughs> Feel like a cut out priest just wasn't sold up right, you know. Still feel that way. You just do what you can. I think, boy, I want to be a, I want to be an earthen vessel. That's what I think when I hear that read. Earthen vessel. What's he saying? Oh, I want to be a bastard builder. <laughs> I found out it wasn't nothing but an old gourd and a blueprint reader. Just a water boy for Jesus. That's all we are. Power's in the treasure that's in the vessel. Earthen vessel ain't nothing but an old clay pot. That's all it is. Paul said, we got this treasure within us. We're just clay pots. But the treasure is the gospel. And if you take the treasure of the gospel, take it in a clay pot. It doesn't matter what you take it in, as long as you get the treasure there. He said, you go preach it, you teach it, you implant it, you take it to people. You can, with the power of the gospel, save people. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You just be his instrument. He just needs a pot. Take the treasure. Earthen vessel. A vessel of honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What kind of vessel are you? He said there's all kind of vessels in the house. Some vessels ain't worth nothing. Sometimes you clean these cabinets out and throw some of them away, don't you? Some old vessels. Some vessels worth something. Useful. Always there. Always handy. Always ready to use. Is that what you are before the Lord? Are you just some vessel stuck way back in the in the cabinet somewhere that never gets used because it doesn't want to be used? He said you need to be a vessel that's usable to take the gospel. To him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. Again, far more what you... You can do much more than you ever thought you could do if you'll just be an instrument. Just be used by God. Be ready. I think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. You remember 
There it starts out there in chapter 6 and he sees God on the throne with train fills and smoke fills the temple and he sees that. And he re- I mean, anybody comes before God, the holy, holy, holy God that we've talked about this week, you realize your sinfulness. He saw that. He said, I'm a man of, oh, who to me? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among the people of unclean lips, he said. And the seraphim went to the to the altar of incense there and got a, a coal and put it to his mouth in that vision. Cleansed him. I tell you, anybody that comes before God to realize he's sin. And once he cleanses himself of his sin by the power of God, he'll have the attitude that Isaiah has if he's really appreciative of what God's done for him. Isaiah was a sinner. He acknowledged that. He was cleansed before God. And God says, i got somebody whom I want to go sin. And what did he say? He said, here am I. Send me. Anybody who is cleansed from their sin before Almighty God ought to have that attitude. You look at what God's done for you. He saved you. He died for you. Cleansed you. And when He says, I want you to go, you know what they all say? Here I am, Lord. I'll go for you. I'm nothing but a clay pot. But use me. That's where the power is in the treasure, and it's not, it's not the vessel. But surely we'd want to be used. God will bring the increase if you'll be used. Don't have to worry about it. His power will do it. You just be the instrument. Paul said, I planted the polished water. God calls the growth. That's where the growth comes from. It comes from God. Growth comes from God, His power. You just be the instrument. God will bring the increase. God said in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, He said, So will my word, be which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter in which I sin. You just take the word, and God see to it, the effect will come. You say, well, how do you go about that? All right, you can do it. I can do it. That's where the power is. How do I do it? You just look at the example of Jesus. In fact, anything that God tells you to do, you want to know how to do it, you just look at the perfect example of how it ought to be done. Jesus was a soul winner. In fact, the very reason he came is summed up in Luke 19, verse 10. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus was a great... So, and Jesus didn't always just preach to multitudes of people, by the way. Fact of the matter is, when you, when you study the New Testament, you'll find that there's only about 16 public discourses recorded to Jesus. The rest of them are Jesus talking to people one-on-one, or at least with just a few. They called him the, a friend of the publicans and sinners. He didn't get that by just always preaching to multitudes of people. He got it because he went into their homes, not to be influenced by their sin, but to influence them with the gospel and to teach them and to save them from the sin that they were in. Pharisees mocked him. But he was a great personal teacher. The greatest. And he says, I want you to take. Now that I'm ascending from heaven, I want you to go and I want you to preach and I want you to teach. Seek and save the lost. You claim to be a disciple. What's a disciple? A disciple is a learner and a follower. That's those two things and together to make a disciple. You learn of Jesus. You follow Jesus. 
and you don't seek and save the lost, you're kidding yourself. You're not a disciple. You claim to be a Christian, one who belongs to Christ, that's what it means. And you're not seeking to save the lost, you don't belong to Christ. Christ came to seek and save the lost. You leave this world, you crucify the world, and you become a disciple, a learner, a follower of Christ. You become the one who belongs to Christ, and I'll tell you what it'll make of you. Jesus will make it out of you. Because of his power, Jesus said, I will make you, you, fishers of men. I'll make you that. By his power, you can do anything. So well, I'm not cut out for that. Oh, yes, you are. I will make you fishers of men, he said. I'll make you. I'll tell you. You leave this world and you become a Christian, you become a disciple. You follow Jesus. You let aside sin and you look at his life and you look at his pattern. It'll make a lot of things out of it. It'll make you holy because he's holy. It'll make you kind because he was kind. It'll make you gentle and humble in heart. It'll make you a giving person. It'll make you a loving person. It'll make you a praying person. You become like Jesus. But one thing is, buddy, when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it'll make you a soul. He said, I'm going to make you what I am myself. I came to seek and save the lost. I will make you fishers of men. Now, are you a fisher of men? And I said, well, I still don't know how. I don't know how to, know how to go back. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you that just right here to you. I want you to look over at some fishing tips. Matthew chapter 17. Now this passage doesn't have anything to do with soul winning in its context. But in this passage, it's some fishing tips. And it doesn't matter if you're fishing for fish or you're fishing for men, this is good fishing tips. In this context... Is where they come asking him and tempting, uh, you know, testing him about the poll tax. And you remember what he told Peter, Matthew 17, verse 27. He said, Lest we give them offense, go to the sea and throw in a hook and take up uh, the first fish that comes up, and when it opens its mouth, you'll find a stater. Take it and give it to them for you and me. He tells them to go get this piece of money that's in this fish he's going to catch. So he can pay the poll tax and not give them offense to that. And here's some fishing tips. About, I will make you fishers of men. How do you go about that? Well, number one, he says, go to the sea. Peter, go down to the sea. That's fishing tip number one. You can't catch any fish on dry land, can you? you got to go where the fish are. You can have the best equipment, you can have know everything about it, but unless you go where the fish are, you'll never catch fish. And I tell you, that applies to fishing for men. If all the fishing we do is in the four walls of my meeting house, we're fishing in the wrong pond. That's not where the fish are. They're out in the sea of this world. And yes, there's some things that we're to come together and do together that God said do together, but then He said, once you do that, I want you to go and I want you to teach. I want you to be fishers of men. Go where the fish are. That's number one. We got.
Fall in by. We must do these other things, but that's not the sum total of our teaching and preaching the gospel. That ought not be. Go where the fish are. Number two, he says, when you get there, throw a hook in. And what he said in verse 27? Throw a hook in the water. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know, going where the fish are, that's really not our problem. Number one, it's not our problem. We're around the fish all the time. Right? We're around people that need to be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we're around them at work. We're around them at school. We're around them in our record. We're around people that need to hear the gospel all the time. The problem that we have is, is we get there and we don't throw a hook at we talk to them about the weather, we talk to them about politics, we talk to them about ball game, we talk to them about everything but their soul salvation. He says, you go down to the water and you put your hook in. He said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach them. That's the only way people are going to be saved. Yeah, Lord's give us the best tackle, had not Yeah, I live right down on that river. And you can go down there and you can take your ugly stick. That's an expensive fishing rod, by the way. You take your ugly stick and a small old reel and you can have the best of equipment, best line, sharp hook. Go right down to where the fish are right there. There's a bunch of them right there, a lot of small mouths of that river. If you don't throw your hook in, you're not going to catch it. The Lord's equipped us with the best. Guaranteed to save so word and plan. He'll bring an increase. If anybody's going to be saved, going to be through this. And we go right down to where the fish are and we never put a hook in. Never talk to him about the God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. He, he, he done some fishing. And that's why people were being saved. They, they, just, they started out adding to the church, right? Acts 2. It says they were multiplying. There's a lot of difference between adding and multiplying. They were multiplying. They were setting the woods on fire. Why is it that there's so many people around us? Well, I understand that some of them are not interested. But I want to tell you, if everybody would take and go fishing and everybody put a hook in the water, don't you think we'd catch more? Now, if you just leave it up to Greg did or just one or two to do, you might catch some, but you're not going to catch as much as everybody put a hook in. Now, number three is, he says, once you go down there, you just take the first thing that comes up. I think that's a lot of our problem. Maybe we go and we got the gospel and we may put a hook in, but then we kind of pull in a hook. Some of them, we think, we think that person would be interested in the gospel. We are prejudiced, prejudging who we think will be interested in the gospel. Maybe they don't dress like we dress, or maybe their skin color is not the same color as mine, or maybe they don't live the same side of town that I live on, or we, we can come up all... And I want to tell you, I just learned a long time ago that you can't judge people. Now, have you ever tried to judge them? Oh, we're all guilty. So I learned in preaching the gospel, ones you think will, won't, ones you think won't will. <laughs> That's the way it is. One time I was preaching the gospel in a gospel meeting and there was an individual who was coming with another uh, lady. There were two ladies that were coming and every night they would come in late. Never did get to meet them. They'd come in late and they'd come back there and any time I'd talk about anything about the gospel, especially, you know, about repenting and being baptized, they were laughing and getting up and going on. 
And other people got looking around. I thought, what's going on? Yeah, they've done that every night. And then they'd leave just right the time them taste dogs start going, they'd leave. It's bugging me. And every time I every time I would get to that point where I was talking about the gospel of Jesus and obeying it through repentance and baptism, they would get each other. Last night of the meeting, Friday night, they came same way, late. And I was preaching on something that had a lot of basic principles about obeying the gospel of Jesus and repenting and being baptized. When I got done, lo and behold, they stayed and she that one on in come up. Want to be baptized. She said, this other girl just obeyed a few weeks ago. She was from a town near there, and she worked with her, and she'd been telling her, and she said, I hadn't believed any of that. And she kept talking about repenting and being baptized, and every time they said, there it is, that's what you been. I thought this would make it, you know. You can't know what's in people's minds. She left joyful having obeyed the gospel of Jesus. <laughs> what do you think we'll want somehow? He says, you take and go down where the fish are, you throw a hook in, and you take the person that comes up. They're interested in hearing the gospel, you talk to them about it. And that person who you think, because of their background, you think anybody thought that Mary who came and wet Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped his feet with her hair, said, oh, if he, knew, if he, was, if he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman it is. Oh, they. Jesus would take the first one to come up with him. It might be somebody you go to school with. It might be somebody you work with. Who you in your mind say, well, they'd be interested if I talk. God said, you just go. You just sow the seed. I'll bring the increase. You just preach the gospel. You just go teach them. You just catch them. Don't you worry about God will clean them. You just preach. You can say people with the gospel. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I challenge you. If there's somebody in your mind right now that you know that you'd like to see obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, somebody come to your mind right now, that's the first person you need to talk to. Maybe talk to them tonight. And if everybody would have that attitude and fulfill their responsibility before God and use themselves as an instrument, we'd be saving more people. I believe in the power of the gospel, don't you? But one thing's for sure, friend. You can't give what you haven't got. You can't share the gospel if you've not obeyed the gospel. But you can obey the gospel yourself. It might be that you're here because somebody invited you. You know, some people, many people, won't come when they're invited to come to worship. But if you're a person who's been invited by somebody who's come from the community, it shows that you have an exceptional interest in spiritual things. And you'd be committed to that. But the good news about this gospel we're talking about is that it saves us from our sins. It means good news, it saves us, and we can be saved with the blood of Jesus. And the way to reach that blood, Jesus said, is to repent and be baptized. That's why he said... Go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And you can. If you want to come and say, I want to be a Christian, we'll assist you and baptize you into Jesus. You leave here and know you're right with him. You can share with other people.
the gospel treasure. Maybe you're here as a Christian not been living like you ought to. If you've not been preaching the gospel and teaching other people, I want you to repent of that. Change your will to do that. If you've done something in the public way you need to make it right, come right now while we stand and sing the song.